Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles today, hallelujah, to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter and verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. I want to talk to you today that it's time to awake. You know, we are living in a, in a society that is being redefined, a society that is breaking down, that is emotionally weak. I mean emotionally bankrupt. They have no strength. They have no purpose. And without a vision, people fail. 1 Corinthians 15.34 Awake to righteousness. Stop sinning. For some have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, I think it's verse 2, that we need to lay aside. That means get off of us the sins that do so easily beset us. In other words, Paul is telling Christians why they are quickly or easily moved, but really he's telling us how weak Christians can be, the sin that does so easily beset you. That talks about no Christian or faith stanima. In other words, really, and I've said this many times over my ministry life, well, however the world goes, the church falls into the same path. The church needs to be emotionally strong. Let me tell you what I am. I am a Teflon pastor. In other words, whatever you throw at me is going to fall off. It ain't sticking. Your viewpoints, your opinions, it ain't sticking. Because I've been tempered by God. Strange fired has made me who I am. But Christians, most of them, and I'm saying overall because the Bible says, lay aside every weight and hindrance and the sin that does so easily. Easily. How in the world does a sin easily beset you off of the course of heaven and faith in God? Unless we have grown weak in mind. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We are, as our minds are renewed, we put off the old man and we put on the new man. The new man is not emotionally weak. Amen. Could I get an amen? A carnal mind, a weakened mind, is a mind that is not subject to the laws of God and simply can't adhere to them. And sometimes when you are like that, you want to, you just never do. And so I'm just telling you that the church ultimately becomes a reflection of the world because it has not defined itself not to be a part of it. The world should be influenced by us, but much of the influence that goes on goes on from the world to the church. We think, well, we have to make people happy. No, the world should hate us with a passion because I really don't, neither does God care what they think. He says, take heed when they speak good of you could have get an amen. amen now I'm talking to you to toughen you up to toughen you up I want you to be strong I, I talked to a young man a couple of weeks ago his mother and father said will you talk to me I said I'll, I'll talk to him but get ready because when I talk to him you give me that right to talk to him I ain't talking to him like I care for him because I tell you what he put a hole in my wall, and I said, son, your mama loves you, your papa loves you, but I don't care. I don't love you. 
You keep punching holes in what God gave me, you're going to end yourself up in jail someplace. He said, I'm not going to put up with it. Now, after I got done rebuking that young boy, I said, I believe in you. He said, really? I said, yep. I gave him $200. I set him up in a business, a bicycle business. Is his mother and father here today? There they are. There they are. His mother and father, I gave him $200, John, because he liked to fix bicycles. I bought him a bicycle press, bought him all the tools he needed. He come up to me a couple weeks after that and said, Pastor Dosak, I'm getting ready to buy my first truckload of bicycles. Are you marrying her? Okay. I just wondered. You got your arm around her. I'm figuring you treasure her. Do it and take it and keep that. Film it. Record it. It won't last. Now, and uh, so this young man now has, and I made a deal with him. I said, I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to give you money, and I'm going to start you in a business. Every bike that you build for yourself and then you build to sell, you're going to give one to somebody that doesn't have one. And then you're going to take a day a month, and you're going to fix bicycles for people that can't afford it. He said, I'll do that, Pastor. So I just heard today that he has three brand-new bicycles that he's built that he's giving to the children's church to bless other kids with. He's custom-made these bikes. Yeah. And so what I want to do to you today is I want to toughen you up and awaken you up. Awake unto righteousness and sin not. You know, we think, well, you know, we're, I'm never going to fall into sin. Well, could I have a Revelations 3, and I think it's verse 16. I'm not sure. It's where it starts with the uh, church at Laodicea. And the church thought that it was in great spirits and in great shape. But it says, is it? There it is. And he said, the angel of the church unto the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the Amen. The faith and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will. Now, this is Jesus speaking to you. Listen, church, listen. Listen, listen, listen. You are closer to the coming of the Lord than you have ever been. And it is time to get away from the world and get latched on to the cross. And it says this, But because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will, I will, somebody say, I will. I will unquestionably, without a shadow of a doubt, spew thee out of my mouth. Next verse. Because thou sayest, I am rich. And increase with goods and have need of nothing. And know not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That thou mayest be rich and, and white raiment. That thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And as, 
And, and as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, this is not talking. Randy talked about the church of Laodicea Wednesday night, how they had a pool of cold water, then had a pool of warm water. These were the assets of the city of Laodicea. But people came, and pretty soon, the waters, when they drew and fillers that were cold, by the time they used them, they were lukewarm. In other words, they lost their purpose. Right. Now, I'm telling you that Jesus is calling the church to repentance. And he's calling us to a place of purity and a place of awakening to put off the sins that do, do so easily beset us. Now, the Bible tells us that in, if I could go to 2 Chronicles 33, 15, please, talks to us about tearing down things in high places. And we as Christians, now this is talking about the church in Israel. Remember, the church is the invisible. Israel was the invisible church in the wilderness. And he says, and he took away the strange gods and the idols out of the house of the Lord. How does an idol get in the house of God? How does a formula or a religious stigma end up being another God in the house of God? And then it says this, the house of the Lord. And all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. Now, we are talking about awakening ourselves unto righteousness. We are talking about getting rid of sin that does so easily beset us. Because we, just like the church of, of the Laodiceans, Phyllis, can easily be deceived thinking that we're something when we are not what God has asked us to be. We have been, but now we have become. In other words, that which we left in Egypt has caught up with us again, and we are now leaving the Lord and allowing Egypt to influence us. That is a sinful state that Israel found theirself in. But I say to you today that we as a church, as individuals, as Christians, need to find the place that we sanctify ourselves to the Lord. Well, I thought I was sanctified. You are. Sanctification is a threefold work. You are sanctified by the Holy Ghost when you are saved. In other words, you're brought out of sin and set into righteousness. But then the Bible says that we are to be cleaned or sanctified by the word that Jesus speaks to us. In other words, it's to transform us, David, because we are in a perpetual mode of change. And we are constantly being empowered by God to put off the old man and put on the new man. But what happens is, David, we, like the church of Laodicea, get blind. And we forget and we never notice that we're cold, that we're lukewarm, that we're in between the middle of two choices, the world or God. And the Bible says in Revelations that we just read, I would to God that you were cold or hot because God can deal with you in those stages. But the lukewarm stage is the most fearful place for a Christian to be. And I want to encourage you, if you're living lukewarm, 
listen, it's better for you to get out or to get in. Now, I'm, I'm not kidding you. If, listen, I'm telling you the same thing Jesus said. I wish that you were hot or cold. I could do something, but I can't do something with a lukewarm person that thinks there's something when they're not. And so, we as a church need to awake, set off the sin, and we need to tear down the altars and the idols that have found their place back into our life, even into the house of God. In other words, even into our faith and our worship of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that you say just what I would think. That's not me. Welcome to Laodicea, friend. Don't ever think that you're not what the Bible is warning you not to become. The Bible is not to everybody. It's to you. It is a mirror that reflects you, not everybody else. Don't ever use the mirror to find people who have weaknesses. Use the mirror to find what you really look like. Could I get an amen? Amen. Absolutely. Praise God. Phil says, hey, oh, honey, you look great. I don't take her word. I go look. Yeah, it's hard telling what she's dressing me like. Amen? Hallelujah. And we have to get aggressive. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, there are things that we have to use due diligence, faith, the Word of God, and our spiritual tenacity to deal with. Why does it tell us that it suffers violence and the violent take it by force? Because things that set themselves up in the kingdom of God and in our life, after we've left Egypt behind, after we've come out of sin, they find themselves rooted. The Bible calls in 2 Corinthians 10 strongholds, strongholds. And we have to tear those down. Do not become nonchalant with your eternity. Could I get an amen? But I'm blessed. I'm this. It doesn't matter. Eternity is still your goal, not blessing a new house, a new car, and money in the bank. Could I get an amen? Eternity is our goal. Come on, eternity is our goal. That's what we are laboring, fighting for. Now, the Bible tells us in Revelation 3, 14 that we just read that we can become lukewarm. In other words, we can get in a place that we straddle ourselves. And if you ever crossed a fence hunting, straddling barbed wire is very uncomfortable. But Jesus said, get on one side or the other. But Christians won't. They get on the, on the fence and they stand on their tiptoes no matter how uncomfortable it is. They don't experience God, yet they don't experience the embrace of the world again. Listen, you have to choose this day who you're going to serve. Could I get an amen? Let's take our Bibles and let's go to Acts, the 19th chapter, and verse 17. Acts 19, 17. We're going to talk about things that creep into our lives that take us away from God. And it says this. And this was known to all of the Jews and Greeks also dwelling in Ephesus or in Ephesians. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord was magnified. Next verse. And many that believed. Somebody say that believed. 
Many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Next verse. And many of them also that used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. 50,000 pieces of silver, or one piece of silver was a day's wages. In other words, they gave 137 years of their life away. And it says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Wow. Why wasn't the word of God growing before? Let me tell you, the condition of the church. Come on, listen to me, the condition of the church. Oh, the world. Stop blaming it on people that do not have an influence from God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Here's what the Jewish Bible says. When all that believed became, or when all of this became known to the residents of Ephesus, their fear fell upon all of them, Jews and Greeks alike, and the name of the Lord, Yahshua, came to be held in high regard. Wow, high regard. Many of those who had earlier made professions of faith and came and admitted publicly of their evil deeds behind closed doors. And consider the number of whose in, that were engaged in these occultic practices that through their scrolls, their books, their uh, writings, and their memories, and their involvement with the occult made public confession and burned them, and the cost was 50,000 pieces of silver. This is not talking about sinners. This is talking about Christians. Now, I want you to realize that the demonstration of the name of Jesus and an open display of the defeat of Satan in that name awoke the church. It awoke the church. It awoke the church. And the church, not those that didn't believe, but those that had made previous confessions of faith, came. Why did they come? They found themselves connected to satanic deception again. It can happen to anybody. Amen. Could I get an amen? Nobody is safe unless they re respond to an attack by the power of the Word and the power of the Holy Ghost. Here they brought. What happened to these men? You know, Jesus is all so fresh when we get saved. We clean our houses. We sanctify our lives. We govern our televisions. We break off friendships. We throw away stuff. But pretty soon, it begins to creep in. Pretty soon. It's so subtle. It's so deceptive. It's kind of like fishing. You know, you throw a spinnerbait out, and a fish thinks that the flash is another fish. Dinner has arrived. But little does he know that it's not God's provision. It is a deception. And before they know it, they're caught and they're boated and they're dying slowly because they're out of the place that God has put them. Now here it tells us that these men, they're just like you and I. 
Don't think that you're any better or stronger than people that get caught because you're not. Take heed. Take heed to yourself. We have to watch ourselves every day because we can all get caught. Could I get an amen? Say, oh, I'm above that. No, you're not. Jesus was tempted in every manner that you and I are tempted. The devil left him for a season, but he always came back. And he comes back to our lives. And he comes back because we get asleep. And we forget that we're righteous people. And we begin to let things that once were discarded to come back into our house. We begin to let a perverse image of what we're doing corrupt our minds and make us think that we're right with God when we aren't right with God. We're lukewarm. Something is happening to the fires of our life. And so we need to put these things away. 50,000. What a price. 137 years of a man's life. That's multiple lives in our community. Amen? Now notice that in verse 20 it says that every true revival begins with a church that purifies itself. In other words, revival is really not even in God's hands. It's in the hands of those that declare themselves to be the people of God. Do you realize that all of these people that brought these curious workings, well, what were they? Oh, people were involved in horoscopes. Oh, I just do it for fun. <laughs> That's the deception, sweetheart. <laughs> That's the deception, is that you think it's normal. You think it's acceptable. Oh, we play tarot cards. We play palm reading. We have the Ouija board in our house. We have things in our house that have to do with the occult. We have old films of pornography, old books of pornography. We have things that are not acceptable to the Lord. I've even had family tells me, tell me that people told them as Christians, you know, you need to watch pornography. It'll stir you. Yeah. Isn't that a sickening fact? I can tell you of a rock star that married a Christian. That probably right there identified who she is. He gets in the pulpit and says, if you women want to know how to be a good sex partner, you need to watch pornography. People cheered him. How low has the church come? See, we think that if the world gets pleasure or success out of it, we are to bring it into our life. No, we live by the counsel of God. Amen. And so notice in verse 20, it reveals that as soon as these things were done away with, guess what? Revival came and the word of God grew and the church was multiplied. The church retook her identity because she took out the things that took her identity. Remember, Jesus made a cord of, to whip people and to drive those things out because Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Listen, our lives are not our own. They belong to God. We are bought with a price. Come on, we are not to express our opinions 
and our commitments and our philosophies, we are to live by the word of the Lord. Amen. Could I get an amen? Come on, hallelujah from everybody. Praise God. Now, we as a church need to bring revival back to the house of faith. How do we do that? We're going to have to put it off. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, come out from among them. Why would Paul have to say that to a church? Because they had fell right back into it. Right back into it. Come out from among them. What fellowship does Baal have to do with God? How in the world does Baal worship enter back into a tabernacle, a place that God is worshipped? Because it becomes commonplace. And when we start compromising, when we start putting off the new and allowing the old to come back upon us, listen, folks, if you are in a stagnant place, you are in danger. If you are not on fire and passion, if you've lost your joy, if you've lost your passion, it's not my job to get it for you. It's your job to work out your own salvation. But I would tell you, if I lost my joy, I'd start finding out where it was, who stole it, what happened, and I'd refuse to live without it. If I was compromising, if I was lukewarm, if people around me were not uncomfortable with my presence, I'd wonder why are they so comfortable when I enter into a room they should be riled up they should be stirred up they should watch what they say they should be watching their gestures the jokes that they tell should not be presented to you could I get an amen we are to be the light of the world praise God not another shadow in it hallelujah Acts nineteen seventeen. it tells us Curious arts, these are occultic works. We think that they're just normal. We get the newspaper every week and read the horoscope. You're being deceived, friend. Well, I called the 800 number and got a psychic reading. You're being deceived. Well, I watched the New York medium. You're being deceived. All of these are deceptive things. Wake up. And when it talks about curious arts, that word curious arts comes from Mad, I think it's magio, which means magi, which means magician. Now, don't get all bent out of shape and say, oh, you mean I'm not allowed to pretend like pulling a quarter out of somebody's ear? No, gee, money, anybody that has any sense beside the kid that you're doing it on, all he wants is the quarter. He's not stupid to think that your fingers are producing that. Anybody that believed that would put a bowl under your hand and say, go for it. And if you can do that, please see me after service. I have lots of projects. We're not talking about an illusion. We're talking about magis. We're talking about people that have more faith in creation than they do in God. We're talking about people that live for God on one side, but reason with God through science and through personal experiences and philosophical opinions. And when we get there, what happens is we become subject to the enticement of deception. We lose our ability to discern. And we become captive, just like the fish, and we become boated, and we are slowly dying. But we think that we're alive. We are dying. Could have get an amen. Now, 
this same word is used if you'll go to Acts, the 13th chapter, and verse 6. Acts, the 13th chapter, and verse 6. This is Paul. He's trying to preach the gospel, and a deputy, which is a sorcerer, rises up. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos and found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which with, with, was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Eliamus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn the deputy from the faith. Next verse. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And then I'll paraphrase the rest. Paul said, God's hand is going to come on you. You're going to be blind for a season. And the man found somebody to lead him around. Now, notice what it says. This sorcerer, this magi, this magician, this deceiver, this man that works in the occult, this man that seeks to bring things that have been separated from the nation of Israel by their God out of Egypt, seeks to influence this man. This is the type of influence that things that are born of the devil pull in your life. They will turn you from the faith. And Paul said, you child of the devil, understand tarot cards, palm reading, horoscopes, 1-800 numbers, mediums, just playing with that type of stuff, you are giving birth to a manifested child of the devil. And when he begins to play with you, he is going to put fruit in you and his seed is going to come into you and you're going to become a child of the devil. You're going to begin to resist the ways of faith. You're going to hate what is preached. You're going to despise righteousness and you're going to want to be joined to that new thing that is born in your life. That is a soulish weakness that people have today. Stop trying to be popular with the world. Let them all depart from you. You live for God. Could I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. And then it also talks to, about, uh, talks to us, if you go to Acts the 8th chapter, verse 9, here's another sorcerer, the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Acts the 8th chapter, let me get you a verse here. Acts the 8th chapter and verse 9. Oh, there it is. But there was a certain man called Simeon, which before in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. In other words, that stuff starts influencing you. And you start giving them places of influence in your life. Now, he was a sorcerer. But the church thought before they got born again, they thought he was great. But when Philip preaches, they are convinced that he is the son of the devil. He himself is convicted and repents. Next verse. Let's go to the next one. Next one. 
Next one. And Simeon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondering, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Next verse. And now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. And when they were come down, they prayed for them and that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them except those that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simeon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. And saying, give me this power that on whom I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Thank God for Peter. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. But thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for, they heard, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art right in the heart of the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simeon cries out, Oh God, pray for me that this will not happen. How fearful he was that he would go back to that which he had been redeemed from. You remember the woman in Acts the 16th chapter? She cried out, Oh, these men are holy men. They give to us the gospel of salvation. After about a couple of days, Paul got vexed in his spirit and turned and said, you devil, you come out of her. And he came out of her and they got thrown in jail. Sometimes when we deal with things, don't think that things are going to get better. They may get worse. They may get worse before they get better. Could I get an amen? But know that there is a delivering God. There is a God that sees. There is a God that hears. There is a God that knows. And when you start making sacrifices for God and cutting yourself off from the world, God shows up and God brings blessing. Could I get an amen? We have got to embrace what God tells us to put off, and we need to reject that. The Bible says that we need to put off the things that have deceived us or the works of darkness so we have to denounce. Somebody say denounce. We simply have to say this will not have a part in my life, in my house, or in my children's life. Because what you're doing, your children are going to inherit. And if you're compromising, your child is going to raise up already tainted with compromise. God, what a horrible inheritance to leave your children that they think tarot cards, palm reading, horoscopes, calling the 1-800 number, watching the medium on TV, watching people talk to the dead is entertainment. Listen to me. Let us sanctify our houses. Let us cleanse our places of worship. Let us cleanse our lives and cleanse our family and prepare them to meet God. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. Joshua came to Israel. Can I have Joshua 24, 15 through 16? Up on the screen. Let me tell you something. We as Christians have got to pay heed to what the Scripture tells us to do. I want us to be permeated with the repentive touch of God. I don't know about you. This is my second go-around in life. 
I'm not looking to make a failure of it. I'm looking to run the course more passionately and more precise than I've ever ran it before. And it says this, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Next verse. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Folks, how can we allow these things in our lives when we belong to God? Don't forget the bitterness of sin that God delivered you from. Don't forget what you were bound by. Don't forget the joys of your salvation, the liberties of your redemption. But don't use those liberties to turn back and become bound again by that which you have been freed from. Amen? Amen? Let's go to verse 19 in that same chapter. Verse 19, and I know it's through 28. I know it's a long scripture, but that's okay. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt. He will consume you after he hath done you good. In other words, don't invoke God to anger. And then it says, And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourself that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. And now therefore put away, put away, he said, the strange gods which are among you, which are among you. Now these are redeemed people that are among you. And incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve, and his voice we will obey. And so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a great stone and set it up on there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto you, for he hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke unto you, and it shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man to his inheritance. Now, he says, it's up to you. I release God and you to walk together. You must cleanse your life. If you don't, God will turn your blessing into cursing. Choose this day. Who will you serve? Folks, let's sanctify ourselves. I don't want to live life without God. I want to live life for God. I want to live life in its fullness, walking with God, my Father 
that he will be Lord of my life. Him and I shall walk together, and my house and I shall serve the Lord. Look at yourself. If God came today, what would you change? If God came today, what would you get rid of? If God came today, what would you erase? If God came today, what would you remove? If God came today, what would you turn off? Because God says he'll come suddenly like a thief. You'll have no warning. Listen to me. I was talking to a woman, and my head slumped over, and I was gone. Now, that gives me confidence that I'm not afraid of death. It comes faster than you can wake up in the morning. Understand that. It comes faster than when you wake up and get out of bed. Before you're out of bed, you are dead. You just close your eyes and you're gone. You don't even know your eyes closed. You're just gone. Death is faster than birth. Death is faster than the next word you speak. Death is more sure than your plans and your purposes. Let us prepare to meet our God. Come on, you'd say, oh, man, Pastor, you're just preaching something I can't live. Oh, no, I'm preaching something that you can live by. There is nothing that is separating you from God that is worth holding on to. Come on, let us rise up, judge, look into our lives and our homes and get rid of stuff. Let's sanctify our lives. Amen? I want you to take a moment. David, can you get me a bucket? Come on, Kylan. I said that I was going to preach this. Maybe you didn't bring anything. Maybe you don't have anything. Maybe they're just things that you do in your life. Maybe they're just thoughts that you have. Maybe they're just habits that you do. But if you stood before God today, I like to do this. I like to take a day and fast. Talk about nothing. Don't listen to anything. Just read the Bible. And I ask God these horrible, fearful words. God... What do you think of me? I hope sometimes he doesn't show up. I have dreams and I think, God, how do you see me? And he may give me a glimpse and he say, son, this is only a shadow of who you really are. If it's not for the mercy and the grace of God, none of us would be alive. Thank God they not only allows us or requires us to deal with shadows at a time, but when we deal with those shadows, the real root is getting smaller. The food lines are being cut off. So what you see, you deal with. Make sure that you're ready to meet God. Now today, some of you might not have brought them as I said, but next week this bucket is going to be here again. And I encourage you to get rid of stuff that if Jesus came to your house, he would not want to find. He would not want to find. Things that you are struggling with, things that you're now become comfortable with, it's time to awaken yourself to righteousness. And it's time to put off that old man. And it's time to prepare to meet God. Amen? Now we are clean by the words that I've spoken to you. Not only do we do away with things that the word declares are just unclean. You know, fat boot is in your house. Isn't that a great witness? Come on. 
Let us awake. Let's clean our house and sanctify ourselves. Let people recognize that we are the people of God. Amen. Let there be no confusion who we serve. And so things that you have that are just not right in your house. You know, Phyllis and I, people bring us stuff from other countries. We've had, oh yeah, from China, from Japanese. We, we just, we, we're sorry. If you got one for a Christmas gift, I encourage you to throw it away. We don't keep that stuff. Because we never know who's touched it. Prayed over it. Decreed over it. They do things just like we do things. So we are very cautious of what we bring in our home. Very cautious of what people give us, even in other countries. I say, you're giving me, where does this come from? Why do they make it? What does it represent? Amen. Amen? I want to know. Amen. I want to know what I'm bringing home. Amen? I want to know charms that are on my neck. I want to know who made them, why they were made, what they represent. Some of us have forgotten that we are to live righteous. Let's live righteous. Amen? Let's sanctify ourselves this day because the Bible says sanctify yourself for the Lord is about to come. God's inviting us. Come up on the mount, but we need to sanctify ourselves. Let's get ready. Jesus is knocking on the door. Come on, hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, not only things that are in the Scripture, the things that you told us to do and we've not done. God, that we've set our own will above you and made it an idol. God, made our own comfortable state more powerful than your lordship over our life. God, that which you have pointed us to do, we have turned from because of fear, lack of faith, God, a lack of provision. God, we've just laid it down. God, it's time to pick it up. It's time to get hot. It's time to get boiling. It's time to get turned on for the Lord. It's time to return to the house of the Lord. It's time to search our houses. It's time to circumcise our hearts again that we may cross over and possess the land. God, we are your people. Be merciful to us, God. God, chasten us because you love us. That we will not be judged with the world. But that, God, we will be found pure, unblameable, without reproach, God, ready to meet you. Let us trim our wicks and fill our lamps, for the bridegroom is coming. We hear the rustle of his feet, the putting on of his robe, God, the gathering of the horses, the sounding of the trumpet is being declared, God. The angelic host is getting ready. God, the age of the church is about to change. God, bring revival to the church. Bring revival to our house, God. And let the word of the Lord grow strongly in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now, I know some of you might have brought stuff. And I want to give you a liberty in just a moment to bring that and to put it in here. Some of you next week are going to have to bring stuff. Some of you are going to have to write down stuff. 
I let this go. It doesn't matter. I just write it out. It's gone. I, it, it's done. I'm not going to be this way anymore. Music. Music. I, I don't even listen. I, I listen to very little Christian music. I listen to worship music. I don't listen to rock and roll. I don't listen to hip hop, hip do, do dop. I just don't listen. I, I don't listen. Who wants to hear about women being defamed and just degraded? And that's entertainment? Please, please give me a break. You're smarter and better than that. Please, could I get an amen? You're better than sin. You're better than compromise. You are the rev rec revelation of God to this generation. Let us not lose it. Let's sanctify ourselves. Let's let them know that we are the church of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to our hearts. God, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, God. And let us hear what you want us to hear. Reveal to us, God, the hidden things of our life. Things, God, that are displeasing to you. Things, God, that we know we are indulging in and, God, that we are living in an excessiveness of. God, speak to our hearts. Sanctify your people. God, we desire revival. A touch of God in our homes, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our churches, God. We want you. God, we as a church bow a knee of repentance to you. And we say, God, not our will, but yours be done. God, touch our lives that our families will have a heritage to live by. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, let us not be stick-necked. Let us not be rebellious. Let us, God, be like vessels of unfired clay in your hand form us god change us and mold us oh god for your glory god let us be prepared to meet our god oh god in the name of jesus touch our hearts renew our joy and our passions awaken us god heal our eyes god with eye salve open our ears god to hear and let us see the way that you see us, not the way that we see ourselves. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. We cry out for mercy and grace. Oh, God, mercy and grace. Remember our faith, God. Remember our beginnings. Remember our labors for you. Remember our passions in the beginning. Restore us, God. Restore us and renew us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus, Jesus, Jesus' mighty name. Oh God, we trust you. Oh God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, come. Come and cleanse our lives and our hearts, our minds. Come, Jesus. Restore your identity, our identity and our purpose. 
In Jesus' name, come, merciful God, come. Hallelujah. 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 Now, those of you that brought things, we just want to release you to bring those things, and David's going to take care of them. He's going to burn them, and he's going to discard those. And so if you brought things that maybe, maybe you're say, you know what, I'm just done with this, Pastor. I'm not going to do this. You can write it on a piece of paper. This is a problem in my life. Today I'm circumcising this area of my life. Hallelujah. I'm going to dismiss you and then you can do that. Next week, we're going to be bringing it. The things that you are discarding and separating from. And then next week, we're going to be praying for you. So don't miss next week. I'm, I'm going to be fasting this week for you. For you. For you. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Now, before we dismiss, if you are here today and you're not a Christian, if you're here today and you're a backslider, if you're here today and you're not ready to meet God, this is the most important part of this service right now. If you're a sinner, if you're a backslider, and you say, I need to prepare to meet God, I want you to stand up out of your seat and come down here quickly. Come down here quickly. I'm going to pray with you, not just for you, but with you. Hallelujah. So if that's you, please stand to your feet. Hallelujah and come down. Hallelujah. 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 Andy, you're not usually here, are you? When did you get in? When? Yesterday. Andy, I saw you. I saw your shirt. And I saw you in the field of meditation. That is found in the seed of Isaac. That when Rebecca come, that Isaac saw her and he was in the field. I think it's Lakedish. And it means that the field of meditation and prayer. And out of that comes God's plan for his life. Now I saw you there Friday morning. I saw you there. I was in a deer stand, and I saw a man in a shirt. Stand up, Andy. Because it wasn't in. A white shirt, and it wasn't in. The Lord told me today he will be on the right side. Now, I know that you usually don't come here because you live in someplace else that you're living in, and we think you should be here, but that's okay. You can be there because you fly airplanes. But I'm telling you, God has saw your meditation and your prayer. And I'm telling you, in that, God gave me a revelation that I lead him into green pastures. And I saw you sitting there, praying and meditating, thinking, God, what is my life? God, what am I going to do? What is your plan and your purpose for me? 
That happened Friday morning. I saw that. So I don't know where you were, but I saw you with one leg and you were hanging the other leg out and you were sitting on one leg. I saw that. And I'm telling you that God has seen your prayers and God has seen thy meditation. And God will answer and God will bring his plan and his purpose to you. You'll not be questionable. It was Eleazar that went for Abraham. Isaac did not know. But that is a representative that the Holy Ghost is doing a work. And the Holy Ghost is choosing what needs to be chosen. And he is bringing that which needs to be brought. You let God do the work. And you will be a blessed man. Let God do what God does. He has saw you. And he will reward you. Hallelujah. 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 Stand your feet and let me dismiss you. I would say I'm sorry that I kept you so long, but I'm not. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask God right now that your hand would touch us. Let this God be a sober moment, but let it be an awakening moment. God, we stand in the midst of destiny as a church and as families and as individuals. Will revival come if we circumcise our lives and sanctify them? Will revival come, God, if we cleanse our lives, that we begin to perfect holiness? God, I believe it will. God, let us separate that which needs to be separated. Let us come out from among that which is unclean, that you will be our God. And God, I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.